Okay. Well, <laughs> I was we trying to, to make sure that that was the case before <laughs> I interrupted y'all because I was like, well, maybe it's just my phone or maybe it's just, and then I, or maybe it was just this. And I'm all like, oh. Well, I mean, it's good that that happened during The Last of Us stuff because. <laughs> That's hilarious. It'd be like a big fucking joke yeah. on everybody. Like, oh no, we were talking about it. I just don't want to spoil it for nobody, so we cut the. Yeah, yeah. You just cut the audio for that. Right? You can just watch us y'all's flack about fucking spoilers and shit. So <laughs> you know, stop us from talking about it, shit. Okay. <laughs> okay, we got some. Nice. All right. Nice. All right, let's try that again. Right. So the, the Three, beginning two, didn't catch one. up either. And we're rolling. All right. <laughs> so we had some technical difficulties, but we're back. Um, you guys missed us talking about Last of Us 2. Uh, we we pretty much spoiled the entire game, so maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> so <clears throat> we don't need to touch on that again. Yeah. <laughs> we had a, like a 15-minute discussion about it. So let's see what else I got here. Personal Legends. Is that something you've ever heard before? Personal what? Personal Legends. Mm, I'm not sure. I know I've told you about it before, but um, my favorite book is The Alchemist. And it's a really short book. Um, it's actually uh, originally in Portuguese, but you know it's been translated to a lot of different languages. And it's um, it's like a it reads like a parable, like if you were reading the Bible or some kind of spiritual or religious text. Mm -hmm. It's very throughout the entire thing. It's teaching you lessons, like it's you know how Jesus would tell stories with a lesson to them you know mm -hmm. that's what a parable is you know he's taking you on this journey so he can explain a concept to you and um that's what the alchemist is like it's like one giant parable where it's trying to explain a concept to you through characters and through a story okay like it's got a message is what i'm trying to say mm -hmm. and um the main character he's a shepherd boy and he his dad wanted him to be a priest. So he's going to like take him to a school and like, um, like he was going to train to be like a religious man. Mm -hmm. Well, he decided that he wanted to travel and his dad's like, well, the only people that get to travel are shepherds. You know, they take their sheep around grazing there's not a lot of jobs around here that get to travel. But he's like, you know what? If that's what you want, I'll buy you some sheep. And so buys his son some sheep so he can go be a shepherd. So his son leaves his family's home, and he's out on his own now, just wandering. And he, um, there's a point to all this. I'll get to it eventually. <laughs> he gets to this uh, abandoned church. And I think it's raining outside, so he brings his sheep in. Um, and there's this tree that is growing in the, inside the church, if I remember right. Mm -hmm. It's like the church is really old, and then this thing is just busted through the ground. And it's um, 
Anyway, he sleeps with his head on the root of the sycamore tree, and he has this dream about pyramids. But he doesn't know what a pyramid is. He's never seen or heard of a pyramid. But he sees the great pyramids in uh, like a desert. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, well, that's fucking weird. So he gets to the next village he's going to to sell some wool. That's how he makes his living. And he just travels to different villages, sells the wool off the sheep. And while he's there, he meets this uh, gypsy. And so he's asking her about his dream. And he's like, I don't have any money, but I don't have much money. But like, you keep, like, <clears throat> like, please teach me what this dream means. Can you interpret it for me? Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, those are the Great Pyramids. And she's like, I've never heard of such things. But, oh, that's right. In his dream, also, there was a little boy that was showing him that there was something buried beside the pyramid. And she's like, I've never heard of these pyramids. But if a little boy is showing you in your dream, that means that that you must like go there or something like that. So she puts him on a path to go see the pyramids. And um, later on that day, he meets Melchizedek. And Melchizedek is... Uh, He's the king of Salem, and that's how he introduces himself. Mm-hmm. And he has Aaron's breastplate from the Bible. You, re- you remember Moses and With Aaron? All the emeralds. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's got Urim and Thummim on it, which I don't know if you remember, but Urim and Thummim, I think it was the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament. used two, He had two stones, and one was white and one was black. Mm-hmm. And it was... <clears throat> it was Jewish sanctioned divination. They were doing fortune telling magic. And that's, that was part of Jewish tradition. Like there were a lot of magic practicing priests mm-hmm. and like, uh, so anyway, he has a and Thummim and he gives them to the boy. And he's like, if you ever are in doubt, like you basically the way it works is they're, they're they feel the same. So you can put them in your pocket and then you ask a question, yes or no. And then you draw one out of your pocket. And if it's white, it's yes. If it's black, it's no. And then, um, so it's like just really old school divination. Mm. And uh, anyway, he gives them to the boy. And he also tells him about personal legends. And he's like, everyone has a personal legend. It's what you are meant to do. Um, and he's like, he's telling him about there was this, like he, he's trying to explain what a personal legend is. So he tells this boy about um, there is a miner who went out and was looking for gold or rare, emer- rare, rare I think it was like rare gems. He was looking for emeralds or something. Mm-hmm. And so he's out here with this pickaxe and he's busting rocks. And he's been doing this for a long time, like I think like a year or so, like away from his family, just out here busting rocks. And he hasn't found anything. Well, he's just about to give up, right? And Melchizedek is, he's telling him, so I became a stone. And as he was leaving, I rolled up next to his foot. He threw me out of anger 
And when he threw me, he threw me into a larger rock. And that split that larger rock, which revealed emeralds. He's like, that was my small little nudge towards your personal legend. That's what I do. I help guide people on their path like a shepherd. And so, <laughs> so he's like, so you asked this fortune teller about these pyramids and you feel this pull, like you have to go there. That's your personal legend. And so he like, he's like, okay, well, like, he's also like, he's really interested in this girl in town. So he's like, I can settle down here and like raise my sheep and like start a family or I can sell my sheep, <laughs> not like just give up on this girl and go to fucking Egypt and just go on an adventure. So he decides to go to Egypt and uh, he sells all his sheep, gets a, I think like a boat pass or something. And he gets into Egypt and like the, the, the port that he pulls into um, some guy swindles him out of all his money. And he's like, fuck, I sold everything I had. And now I have nothing in a foreign country where I don't speak the language. And he's like freaking the fuck out. And then, um, so he gets like Urim and Thumim out and he's like, should I just go home or, you know, stay here? And it's like, continue. And so he eventually, he finds a job and like, he's working for this guy. Like he's, I think he's a, he cleans glass in a China shop. Um, and the guy gives him like just a small amount of money, like every day to just clean the glass. Well, he does that for like a year and he finally gets enough money to buy a sheep and return home or buy more sheep and return home. But instead he decides to press forward and go on to the pyramids. And this is something you see repeated over and over again is um, he's not rewarded for mm -hmm. pursuing his personal legend. It's more like there's a lot of shit that gets in his way and it's really difficult to continue that path a lot of the time. And so like he finds another girl and he falls in love with her and he's like, okay, well, this is where I'm going to settle down. But, um, another character, uh, the one he's actually called the alchemist. Uh, um, he, he's talking to the boy and he's like, here's what's going to happen. You're, if you stay here, you're going to become incredibly wealthy. You'll become affluent in this village. You'll marry the girl of your dreams and you'll be happy for a long time. But then after a while, your wife is going to see that you're still missing something. She's going to begin to resent herself because she can't give that to you. And then you are going to resent yourself also because A, you didn't pursue your personal legend and B, you're making your wife's life more difficult because you're not truly happy. And so he's like laying all this shit out for him. He's like, or you could go to the fucking pyramids. You could go to the pyramids, just get an answer for yourself and then return back to her then. But you have to do this. Mm -hmm. So um, that's, uh, I feel like that's enough uh, briefing on, you get the idea of a personal legend now. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of truth to that. It's like when you're a child, 
you know, I want to grow up and I want to be an astronaut. I want to grow up. I want to be a firefighter. I want to be just like my dad. When I grow up. Things like that. So your personal legend is like uh, your aspirations or your I dreams? guess your, your drive. Yeah. Whatever pushes you. A goal to achieve, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that everyone has to one degree or another. But it's the question of if you act on it. How do you feel about that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like a lot of people have dreams. Uh, a lot of people don't even know what they want in life. It's like a healthy mixture of both. And it seems like what's holding so many people back is the lack of motivation, the drive, or even obsession for whatever uh, aspiration you hold. And just circumstances bearing down on people making it more difficult or maybe yeah. they don't have good peers that helps quite a lot uh, people to help uh, keep up your morale yeah I wasn't trying to make it sound so simple and easy like there's obviously things that hold you back in life from achieving what you want but that's actually part of the alchemist as well is mm-hmm. you know like things get in his way all the time yeah. and um <laughs> the book is about alchemy it's because um the alchemist actually explains, he's like, you know, a lot of these fools spent their lives trying to turn lead into gold. He was like, and I can do that. He's like, I can actually do that. Check it out. He was like, but, but I also understand that it's so much more than that. It's a changing of one thing into another. It's, um, it's all chemistry, all of it. Uh, so if you think about it, that includes yourself. So you are also an object that is subject to change. So um, the way this alchemist looks at it is he's like, if you're focused more on, like, so earlier on when the boy was working at the china shop, he would clean these dusty glass, like glasses, and he would be like, it's kind of like I'm cleaning myself also. Like, there's something about this work, this activity that is wholesome. And I can feel that it gives me some kind of, it's like I'm working on myself as well. Um, like cleaning the glass, making it shine. Mm-hmm. Um, and the alchemist was talking about how that sort of, you, you are working on yourself, you know? when you go to work and you're working on something at the end of the day, you're improving yourself. You're getting better at your craft. You're doing it for a reason. If it's your secular job, you know, um, you're building on something. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think, so the thing about the personal legends is he's also like, you know, me and other, the universe mm-hmm. will help you. If you throw yourself out there, if you say, you know what, this is my dream and I'm going to throw myself at the universe and go get that thing, the universe will catch you and help you along and like guide you towards that is the message of the alchemist. Um, That doesn't mean it's easy. That doesn't mean that you won't have trials getting there. It might be incredibly difficult. What what about all the failed rebellions? (laughs) See, that's where... uh, (laughs) 
Yeah, because not everyone who's wanted something really bad has gotten it. And that that's where it gets into... If, if you're looking at it from a Paolo Coelho, the alchemist sort of perspective, it's just saying you didn't want it bad enough. Oh. You didn't... You didn't go after it hard enough. Okay. <laughs> that's that's what uh, that philosophy would lead you to. Is that, um, or you could look at it this way. Say my personal legend is in conflict with your personal legend. Well, now we're at odds with each other. So it could be something at like, you didn't get that thing because someone else's drive to their personal legend pushed you out of the way. So there's multiple ways of uh, you could you could weasel a logic into that where it still works. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> I'm not asking if you agree with it, but you you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, that's what a personal legend is. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Um. Okay, so you and I have been talking a lot recently about ancient architecture, mm -hmm. like Gobekli Tepe, and we were just talking about the pyramids last night. Yeah. Um, okay, why don't you break down Gobekli Tepe for me, because you know more about it than I do. Uh, That's where they found the Sumerian tablets, right? Yeah. So this was a while ago. This is... Uh, a was, long time ago. No, they, well, it was, it was a long time Longer ago. Longer than me. <laughs> <laughs> when they, they actually found it somewhat recently, though. Okay. Yeah, I forget when. I think it was in like the 80s or the 90s. It was fairly recently. Mm -hmm. They haven't excavated most of it, in fact. Like there's LIDAR, uh, laser detection that goes to the ground, and it can see uh, just like tons and tons of floors of just unexcavated. So a lot of it's still unexplored. Yeah. And uh, it it uh, it shares similarities with many of many of the of the most ancient uh, megalithic architectural sites, in that uh, each building block is just massive. And uh, you you shared a yeah a Facebook post with yeah. me, <laughs> and it's like Machu Picchu, uh, a bunch of places like this with stones weighing like 40, 50 tons, a hundred tons. That are all these weird polygon kind of trapezoid shapes just fitting together and you can't even put a piece of paper through the cracks that's how finely and precisely cut in place this uh these things are and there's no mortar either it's just the rocks just it's sitting just on top stone. of each other so perfectly that it's stood the test of time for so long that is crazy yeah <laughs> so um that's where they found Sumerian tablets. So Gobekli Tepe is ancient. Yeah, in Gobekli Tepe. Yeah. So uh, Gobekli that means Tepe it's is fucking the, I think the oldest known civilization that we know of, um, advanced civilization that we know of. Anyways, they had they had cities built on grids. So we're talking about predating um, the pyramids by three thousand years. Um, there's there's a lot of speculation on when the pyramids were even actually built and uh, mainstream archaeologists tend to lean one way and I'm not so sure I'm fully in that uh, basket, but I don't know. There's a lot of takes mm -hmm. on when that could actually be, uh, be okay. from. 
But so, they think that Gobekli was older, though. Much older. Okay. I think like 4,000 years or something like that. Older. Um, do you know where it's located? Because I don't actually know where Sumeria uh, is. In Sumer. <laughs> it's like around... Like around... Uh, like if I'm looking like at around map. Iraq, I think. Okay. Around that area. Hmm. Like cradle of civilization kind of area. I yeah. forget exactly uh, its location. I was, um, we were watching that video on, it was Internet Historian had that video on weird architecture. Not old architecture, but like more recent, just really strange buildings. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> shit, why didn't I bring that up? Damn it. <laughs> strange architecture. Yeah, why did I bring that up? Mm. It got me thinking about. I was going to bring that up because it got me thinking about something like a concept. Um, <laughs> we're talking about Sumeria. Mm -hmm. Well, I lost it. Okay. <laughs> um, also, this place was, uh, Gobekli oh. Tepe was purposely buried. And it's on top of a it's on top of a high hill, so they would have had to carry, seemingly at least archaeologists think, carry up all the soil and bury it. You know, it would have taken forever. I remember what I wanted to say. Uh, it's really fucking weird. Um, we're we're American, and none of our architecture is <laughs> <That> old. Is weird. <laughs> <laughs> but if you go to Europe or Asia, they have a lot of buildings that are just fucking ancient. Hundreds and hundreds of years old. Well, but I mean, I mean, I guess in America we have buildings that are a couple hundred years old. But I mean, they have shit that goes way back. Civilization sprouted out in that area. Uh, uh, architectural kind of advancements wasn't in this area for I'm just, as long as it was in Asia and Europe. What I'm just saying is, like, being an American, Africa. we don't have any old architecture around here. Like, but if you grew up in some fucking just little ass tiny village in Europe somewhere. There's probably like goddamn castles and shit. Just like <laughs> that'd be awesome. Just around you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that that uh is so interesting to me, but like it, it America's like one of the only places that doesn't have old buildings. <laughs> <laughs> Not that old anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean I guess old is relative, but yeah. Not thousands of years. Right. But, I mean, they have like. I don't even mean like as depends on far back as buildings. Like they have some uh, somewhat complex Indian burial bounds and things like mm. that, which are also aligned to the stars, the older ones. Really? Which is, which is almost a common theme through all the most ancient uh, megalithic architectural sites. Was it you who was showing me how there's all these different archaeological or like. Um, Procession? Of the stars there's like a grid mm -hmm. and on earth and like there's a it might not have been you who's showing it to me but there's like a <laughs> an ancient structure at each point on the grid on earth mm -hmm. and like was this not you showing it to me uh it, it might have been like the energy points that's theorized yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it was like a square grid and then it shows you points where, like, perfectly there's 
different like monuments in different mm -hmm. locations, whether it be pyramids or Stonehenge or different yeah, shit. I've seen, I've seen some of those. It's really interesting. Um. So, <laughs> so they have uh, many of these sites actually do produce energy. Like you can go there and test it for yourself. Like uh, Great Pyramid, you can whatever kind of I forget uh, electromagnetic frequencies or what have you. They just read that in the air, and it's far higher than it mm. is in any atypical location. And for whatever reason, uh, happens to be a common theme with a lot of these <laughs> ancient sites again. So these energy lines, it's not even really something that they understand fully. It's just something they can utilize. Is that kind of what you're saying? I mean, I'm not tr trying to make any... Uh, <laughs> yeah, tell, tell us, David. Uh, I mean, I, I know just as much as anyone. Being the genius engineer that you are. I think it's extremely interesting. And... Yeah. You know, this is just total shot in the dark, but perhaps there is some sort of geometrical as above, so below kind of interactions that are more far reaching than we think. But mm. there's, you know, there's no way I could <laughs> say that for sure. Because uh, I think it was, was it last night? <clears throat> or yeah, it was last night. We were talking with our buddy Keith about pyramids and he was saying how okay if i'm if i'm paraphrasing here correct me but there's like the nile used to run in to the pyramids uh next to them and then there's underwater aquifers that get sucked into and then they have a filtration okay. uh irrigation system and okay and that produced some kind of power with the water running uh, through it yeah, theoretically, similar to Nikola Tesla's energy machine as well. Okay. And if you look at the pyramid, uh, you know, I'm not a electrician, but from what, I, from what I've researched on it, the blocks that they used is similar to how a wire is wrapped by different layers. And whatever layer that was good for conducting electricity was in the middle, and it had a sheath over that, which was a different type of stone, which insulated a certain way and then an outer layer over that that uh, helped seal it and protect it pretty much. Okay. Really interesting. So, yeah, it'd be exactly like a, like a wire like and, with the uh, coating. And the Great Pyramids, a lot of people, we were kind of talking about this uh, the other night, were saying that uh, mainstream archaeologists tend to think that it's just a tomb and try to just write it off as that. But this this one is so different from all many of the other pyramids in that it doesn't have any hieroglyphs anywhere in this thing and so many people walking through it just say this thing just looks mechanical like it was for some purpose it was a tool and not necessarily because it, whenever it's a burial chamber it's got they fucking blow it out there's shit everywhere there's hieroglyphs all over the wall telling life story about this person and like the great tales about them because if you can afford to get buried like that, then you're going to want all that glorification for you in the afterlife. And at least that's <laughs> So it sounds like you're saying some pyramids were burial tombs and then the Great Pyramids were not? I'm not even sure if there were uh, tombs that were pyramids or not. I could be wrong, but I know there was uh, underground burial chambers hmm. uh, in many cases as well. They keep finding new ones in Egypt, actually. It's really yeah. interesting. It was also you who is showing me that pyramid in China, right? Well, there's many pyramids in China, and 
I'm not, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, they're just covering them up with like landscaping. You just see it on Google images. It's like, <laughs> why would you do that? Why would you not excavate that? You would think, um, why are you purposely going out into the wilderness and planting would, things on it? Right. You would think unless there was a good reason to, they'd want to use it as some kind of tourist site. I mean, maybe there's some bigger reason outside of that that I'm not aware of. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But unless I, you had a good I, I reason. Why. I don't see why you wouldn't try to capitalize on that. You know Talking what I mean? about the pyramids in South Africa. South Africa. Uh, I'm not. Some of the older ones? Okay. I'm not sure about the ones in South Africa. I mostly know about Cairo and then a few other pyramids around the world, which is pretty. That's almost on the bridge between Africa and uh, Europe and Asia. Oh, no. South America. Excuse me. Oh, South America. Huh. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget the names, but like, <laughs> like Aztecs and Mayans, and uh, they were on, like, I think it's, fuck, I always forget the name. This, this is a common theme throughout over there as well, where they have these geometrical aligned to the stars, to the procession of to the stars as well, to an extremely precise degree architecturally mm. it's insane and then that each pyramid sprout off tends to represent uh, uh a constellation usually and then if you take like the uh, the great pyramids there'll be a certain point on a certain day of through so many years that the sun will align perfectly between the two pyramids and i think it's like overhead of the sphinx or something i forget and that's uh like every procession of so many, so many years. So that was factored in. The three pyramids that are next to each other are perfectly precise to Orion's belt, which is really interesting. Hmm. Uh, the the Sphinx is actually pointing towards. Uh, I forgot the constellation of Leo at certain like ten thousand year processions. I think hmm. it's really interesting. So. <clears throat> <laughs> and that's that's not a uh, that's a concept that's repeated all throughout ancient history is really looking into what's going on into the stars. And there seems to be some kind of correlation with these ancient cultures and them correlating like the cosmos with what happens on Earth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you were you were just saying like the Aztecs had that, the Mayans had that, the Egyptians had that, the Sumerians had that. Mm -hmm. Like they all have star charts. They really valued what was happening in the sky. And it really like that principle as above, so below is the cornerstone of like a lot of alchemical teaching. But it's also something you see in many different cultures that are separated from each other that have nothing to do with each other they all seem to agree that the stars are significant somehow and you know in a lot of ways we are more advanced than ancient cultures and in a lot of ways we're not and i think people want to think they are that we're you know evolved but in a lot of ways, we get dumber, you know, like, like, um, for example, we all have calculators in our pockets. And that's not a luxury 
that you would have had. <laughs> I mean, at any other point in history, you know? Yeah. So, you I mean. buy a couple hundred dollar calculator. You just turn your phone sideways now. <laughs> me and this actually what me and Shirley were talking about earlier. Um, <laughs> memory as athleticism used to be a skill that everyone practiced. It's like how like m different mem memory games and stuff. We can't remember shit now. Like instead of having to remember how it's a, it's a muscle, like everything else, if you're not flexing right. it or using it, exercising it, then it'll deteriorate. Like if you think about your grandma tells you a story about when she was a kid but if you if you have written language she could just write it down for you and you'll get a perfect like that that copy won't change like it'll just be like this is what your grandma said about this event but if you don't have written language she's just got to tell it to you and you got to hope you remember it so i mean if it's something you really care about like you know the last story your grandma told you then it's like <laughs> shit 30 years later, I only remember half of it, you know? So I, it's like, I've got to practice to like, remember that. Got to remember the important things and like make an effort for it. And now you can just like jot it down, you know? So it's not even about phones and calculators as much as it's about written language. Like, and how that destroys your memory. Like, because if, I mean, written language is just keeping a record of things that are said, right? Like, I mean, well, I guess it's more than that, too. But you can keep an account of things. Like, it doesn't, it's on paper. It's not going to, like, go anywhere unless you destroy it. Mm -hmm. So, like, <laughs> me, me telling you a lesson is different from writing it down because you've still got that lesson. You can just look at it again instead of having to remember what There's was No room for interpretation yeah. at that point. So it's sort of a catch-22 where we don't have to remember things because everything's remembered for us, but it also means that we can't remember shit on our own. Well, I guess I shouldn't say there's no room for interpretation because a lot of people interpret <laughs> written text very differently, so depending on what it is, mm. I guess. Yeah, like inflection has a lot to do in conversation. So when you're having a text conversation with someone, you can like misread the way something said. Yeah. Yeah. A lot's lost with written language. It's important to have facial cues and like visual cues that you go off of. Also, if you're in the presence of another person, you're, you know, you're less likely to see mm -hmm. a lot of these, like Twitter, you know, hate mail kind of spammers or whatever. Like they're yeah. probably not actually going to do that to you in real life. Did you see Elon Musk was uh, talking about how, if you know, like once you have these brain augments that they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Like you'll be processing information at such a speed that language is obsolete as a thousand we know times it. faster than. So, I mean, English is obsolete. You don't need that. You just develop a much faster system. Yeah. You know? We're like AOL. It's like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> just loading up forever. Yeah. Just a bunch of screeching humans. They're like, oh, but he, this. he also made an interesting <laughs> point where he's saying people might still speak language just for the novelty of it. Yes. yes I have uh uh, what do you call it? Sentimental value to yeah. my language. Yeah. Um, <laughs> something. <laughs> imagine everyone gets like, like there's like mandatory brain augments. They just give it to you when you're a baby. Okay. 
and then you grow up and then oh my god like a baby could process information a thousand times faster here's the catch just start talking to you instantly here's the catch 22 with that though david <laughs> if it's mandatory what's stopping <laughs> fucking what's stopping nike from running ads through your eyes <laughs> through my eyes it's like oh yeah. you can't look away from it this is digitally printed on your eyes <laughs> like no let me go to sleep nike <laughs> so so like if we have mandatory brain augments they could just send ads to your brain directly <laughs> it's like you gotta pay a monthly fee to have no ads yeah. <laughs> like posted in front of your face <laughs> i imagine it's like in steps like you can have just you can't even see anything there's ads all over the screen and then you can like have a package where it's slightly less ads <laughs> and then there's like the premium premium package where there's no ads so you could just yeah. live your life <laughs> you have a package where you can set the ads to come on as an alarm for yourself it's like oh i can't go to sleep with this unhuman <laughs> this ridiculously loud ads it sounds like a black mirror episode <laughs> yeah um so okay what were we talking about before we were talking about this recent thing. there's a lot of branching yeah <laughs> we kind of can't stick to anything can we <laughs> <laughs> okay well let's just move on then okay. um so a couple le- weeks ago uh city council in minneapolis unanimously decided to abolish the police department so i mean there's just no police there so if you call nine one one, is there some civilian? I don't know. That shows up. I actually don't know. That'd be interesting to know. Maybe uh, our buddy Keith could look it up for us. Because I don't know how they'd handle. Okay, I don't know how they'd handle like. How would they do that? <laughs> that kind of defeats the purpose of not having police if you still have a number to call for the police. Yeah, well, I think Chaz and places like that, uh, I think I think there's more independent. Um, so is it kind of like they have a police force? It's just not not recognized by the federal government, maybe? I'm not sure because I think what was going on in D.C., I don't know what's going on now, but I know they were allowing it for a while, and the mayor rules. You talking about Chaz? I don't think it was Chaz. I thought it was called something else in the beginning, but maybe I'm just mistaken. You're talking about Um, the uh, little commune that started, Mm -hmm. and it's like separate from America or whatever. Yeah. 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 And uh, they have their own military force or civilian military force or whatever. Okay. Seattle? Seattle. Hmm. Yeah, it's not the Minneapolis thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I got sidetracked talking about two different things. <laughs> um, yeah. So okay, so there's Chaz in Seattle, mm-hmm. and then there's the police department in Minneapolis was abolished, which um, I'm really not a fan. I don't think anyone is right now. Hardly anyone with uh, law enforcement in America at the moment, but. If you want to see a change in that, you need better education for the police. And to get better education, that means more funding and better allocation of funding. So, I mean, that means no police driving around in Teslas. That means money in giving them training 
on how to deal with these situations? The answer seems to me to not be destroy funding for the police department. Mm-hmm. That seems like a bad idea to me. And I guess time will tell because this isn't a hypothetical. This is something that's happened. So I guess we'll see how that goes, you know, but I, I imagine mean, history has, has told what happens when uh, a civilization gets large enough and doesn't have uh, you know, a solid form of government in place. So yeah. I'm not sure that that's going to play out well on a larger scale. It's probably okay for that because there's more of a sense of community. It's like a smaller group and they maybe they associate them closer and they're not as uh, disassociated from them. I'm not sure. Hmm. But when it comes to abolishing the police, uh, really I feel like I know this is probably a tired point to make because a lot of people are, have already gotten into this, but I feel like reform is the better option to go for there. Like you're saying, better de-escalation protocols, better training for the police uh, in general, and you know maybe maybe more rigorous requirements that they have to pass to actually uh, have that position of power, weeding out some of the people who would misuse it, and making the ones who are officers uh do their job more efficiently and make less stupid mistakes but at the same time i know there's a lot of i say this in general but there's plenty of good cops and i'm sure everyone will recognize that so i just wish there was less uh kind of generalization about cops in general because i know it's just like i feel it's a position of power just like anything else in it if if you have any position of authority, it is just intrinsically going to attract people who want that and who are going to misuse it. So putting more rigorous guidelines on the police will I feel like help at least diminish the people who would misuse it. And if mm-hmm. they do, then there's better protocols to, you know, you have to turn in your buddy if he beats the shit out of somebody. And that was, uh, you know, not up to codes or not what you were actually supposed to do. That was unnecessary force. Right. The police have to start policing themselves if um, they want. What they're actually saying, well, according to this, it's that uh, according to the resolution, the city council will begin a year-long process of engaging with every willing community member in Minneapolis to come up with a new public safety model. Okay. Okay. So they they're not doing anything in the meantime. Yeah, it's kind of broad. People don't realize you can't just close That's a city building. Oh, why? They're gonna, I mean, yeah. You, you know, that it's that it's it doesn't it don't work that way. Yeah, <laughs> it's just not gonna work that way. All right. Um, it's sort of like it's sort of a. I mean, it's a bad idea. Is what I'm trying to say. Like that couldn't work. You have you, if you if you're gonna tear. It's actually something we were talking about the other day. If you're going to tear down the system, what's your alternative? Because if your goal is to just tear down the system and leave a gaping hole there, then you're not helping the problem. You're making it worse. Um, A flawed system is still better than no system. And people are so gung-ho to just tear down the system that they don't have some alternative in their mind they're willing to go to. It's like, they just want to see everything burn and they don't, they don't want to 
create something out of the ashes of that. They just want to watch it burn. <laughs> That's unfortunately um, a lot of people in our age demographic. And that's unfortunately because of the media. And it's actually, you know, it's such a beautiful time to be alive. And it's also really scary. Like we're all very uncertain about our future here. And that's, <clears throat> there's a lot of debate going on. And all of that's really good. But it's also just frightening, you know. Like in this generation, we have... You know, everything's, for the most part, easier or easier accessibility or it's faster. You can get it now if you want it. Like, there's less work to get what you want in life. So I feel like there's le there's more time to think about what, what you're actually doing with your life. And I can, like, um, I forgot where I was going with that. I see what you mean. some point uh, before that. You're, yeah, you were saying that... Um quality of life has improved but there's also this sort of dissonance where people don't know what to do with their time yeah and that's actually it's kind of a paradox because you can think about it all day and get depressed about not doing anything but actually just getting up and doing something just can trigger so many chemicals in your brain mm -hmm. just make you respect yourself a little more and start the train uh going at that point if you could just stay productive then that's like yeah you'll have respect for yourself and then continue to uh, try to strive for that when i work out Just i have getting like out of that rut more, more energy afterwards rather than less you know mm -hmm. it's something about like waking up your mind and your body like that like once you get on a you know like if you start a new job and it's got you working some grueling hours at first that's going to be rough until you get a, into a routine of it and that's like you i mean actually if you think about it that's like building calluses playing a guitar as well like the more you practice an instrument and, you know, get good at it, like you'll see the fruits of your labor. That's with anything. The more you do something, the more, the better you are at it. <laughs> I think that's probably true in every case. Yeah. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if there's anything that's not true of, or if you do it a lot, you're, you don't get better at it. Oh, even uh, Alzheimer's patients, if they, if they play golf and then the next day they forget about it and they say, Hey, let's go play golf again. It's like, you can, you continue to do that with them there. That actually is in a separate part of the brain mm -hmm. that ultra, all, uh, Alzheimer's is affecting and they'll be able to retain that bit of information, not knowing that they had previously played. You're and, saying they get better at and it. And they get progressively yeah. better. It's really interesting. That's really neat. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's such a, it's funny how like here we are just like walking around this planet, but we don't even know like how our brain works. We don't understand how the universe works. Mm -hmm. We're just like bumbling through this place <laughs> and no one knows jack shit. You have people that act like they know things and mm -hmm. it's like, I'm a leader. Follow me, follow my example. And it's like, but if you take a step back and look at it, they are also just, they were a child that was came came through this world and now they're just walking around stumbling and confused 
like you are. Mm-hmm. And yet they, they want to tell you how to live your life. Like they have it somehow figured out more correctly than you do. We're all idiots. We're all just bumbling around and we have no fucking clue. And we can glean things from each other. Like, but there isn't like, um, I don't like the idea of a core Messiah. Like this is the one guy to follow. I'm sure that one guy has flaws of his own. Well, sure. But on any given subject, there should be authorities. But I agree that there shouldn't be just one guy that you always take his word and don't have to uh, bring it to scrutiny. (laughs) That's religion. (laughs) That's a lot of of mindsets. (laughs) Yeah. And, yeah, no, I mean, obviously there are people that know things that I don't. And I would ask a professional if I needed professional help about something, you know. But that doesn't mean that a professional electrician knows anything about plumbing. You know, you wouldn't go to him for that. You go to the individual that's tailored in that skill instead of, I mean, if you think about it, that's what an alchemist was, though, is he's the the village shaman. Mm-hmm. He's the medicine man. He's the storyteller. He's the scientist. You know, he's all these things. And that's that concept got phased out. Because we realized it works better if you delegate these jobs out to different people, you know? Because now instead of just having a medicine man, you have surgeons and like you have um, people that specialize in medicinal herbs and stuff, you know? You have different branches of medicine that people can get into and get really specific in those ways. And the Mm -hmm. further out we branch it, the more progress we get. But it's neat because... Um, your medicine man, your scientist, and your spiritual healer used to all be the same person. That was just your old wise man in the village. Mm -hmm. Sort of the jack of all trades, the guy who's seen some shit. (laughs) So I don't know. It's just interesting how like as our population grows and as our understanding of things grows, we do relegate tasks, like really specific tasks to people. Like You can have someone who specializes on like kidney surgery and like a really specific kind of surgery, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like that person gets paid really, really well because they're in a very specific field and not a lot of people have the knowledge that they do, Mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, that's, this is sort of a different tangent, but that's, well, what's also great about capitalism is it creates, um, a reason for you to go into this specific field to spend 30 years of your life going to school so you can learn how to operate on someone's brain you know why would you do that otherwise i mean like maybe you're just you know like a good samaritan those exist <laughs> but there's more incentive and there's more uh effort in those scientific advances because there's a financial incentive you know i mean if It's sort of idealistic to think we would have brain surgeons if money wasn't a thing. Well, just if there wasn't some... (laughs) Some sort of exchange going on. Yeah, well, they need to be funded. Because why... if you're doing a job that dangerous, then you want them to be well-funded and well-taken care of. Because why the fuck are you going to not just stay home with your wife and kids all day and, like, or, like, hang out with your bros all the time? Why, Why do you go to school? Why do you go to work? Because it's gonna help you, and it's gonna help you in the long run to do that. I'm sure there's plenty of people who do it 
to help there's, people. There's other reasons too. I'm just saying society, as we understand it now, like the way it works, mm-hmm. the, everything we have basically, not everything, but a colossal portion of what we have comes from um, having an economy, you know? Like ha- ex- the way the system we developed, like what? How long has capitalism existed? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Since the first guy said, "I got this." Hey, <laughs> you, I got this. You got that. Let's let's uh, do something. Yeah, <laughs> let's capitalize on the sale here. Yeah, <laughs> me have fire. It stopped being a free market when a third party came up and said, "Wait, <laughs> I need some of that to make sure that you're. You give me some of that too." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. worry about why. Yeah, don't worry about why. Just do it. <laughs> Just hand it over. Come on. That'd be fair, right? It'd be fair for you to give me your shit. Yeah. That's, that's why we call it your fair share. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could uh, go down that rabbit hole, or we could call it quits here, because that that's that would be quite a discussion in and of itself, and I don't know if we have time for that. Okay. What time is it? We got started, I mean, we actually got started at 10, but we had that fuck up, so that'd be like... I mean, that was just a non-spoiling spoiler. <laughs> I, what I'm saying is, what's what's our actually recorded time at? You know what I mean? Because we're probably not quite at an hour yet. Oh, yeah, that's not going to give you the time on it. Well, that's okay. I think it's probably good here. I think we can just call it. Word. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for talking with me about everything, David. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's probably a good thing we didn't talk about last of us, too. <laughs> I, now, now that we, we did talk about it, I realized I didn't have all that much to say about it. I yeah. thought I did. But all we ended up doing was spoiling the game. So it's probably a good thing that that actually didn't make the cut. (laughs) I didn't make the cut. Well, anyone who's still around with us, thanks for sticking around on this Friday evening. And I hope you have a great weekend. We'll see you next time.